Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And happy hump day, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live. Streaming live on YouTube. We on Facebook. And of course, I am your host, Will Skywalker Still. Boom! Day two of padded practices in the books. The competition, man. It's fierce out there, and I love, love, love to see it. The Cowboys focused on a specific area on offense, and I want to dive into that in a little more detail, okay, coming out of the roundup. Also, in the roundup, Jerry Jones continues to keep this door open, but Mike McCarthy said, nah, nah, not so fast, my friend. And then, of course, we will have the great one, Brian Broadest, 105.3 The Fan, former Cowboy Scout, will be joining the show, the program, at the top of the hour to talk Dallas Cowboys training camp, what he's seeing down there, getting some of that former scout analysis as we kind of continue our uh, radio row of sorts, right? Getting these 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 the, po- the folks who have been down there at camp onto the show this week. We got another one tomorrow and Patrick Nosey Walker on the scientific method. But today, it's all about my guy, B., and you'll hear him later on on 105 through the fan. But you will get first take, the first look, the first sound this morning here on A to Z Sports Live, the Skywalker Show, Cowboys Nation. Where are my manners? What's good, Bomb Squad? Bomb Squad! Or, or should I do the new? Ooh, that, that, that's a dope celebration. I can't wait to see that about 20 times. 20 times. Cooks, Lamb, I think we could see 20 touchdowns. I really do. I don't think that's out of the question at all. All right? I don't. Now that we got that out the way, or, or, or you know what? Better yet, let me, let me, my guy said, let me let my guy finish that up for you. Now that we've said hello, let's get down to business. Let's get down to business. Hit this roundup. Come on out. We're going to talk a little bit about the red zone, and we're going to rap to our guy, Brian Broadest Cowboys Nation. Let's go. It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. That's what Ronald Jones said. Wait a minute, man. Let me talk to you guys. Let me clear the air. Let me clear. My name. Ronald Jones spoke for the first time since he was suspended for two games for PED usage. Now, he said a whole lot. I'll try to sum it up with a few quotes here, but here we go. He said, quote, I just want to clear my name. Who was experiencing a homecoming into Texas? This comes from Pat Walker's article on dot com. Everybody wants to say I'm on steroids and clearly I'm not. I'm one of the skinniest dudes on the team. It's something I've been prescribed 
over the course of my career, says Ronald Jones. It wasn't any steroid or anything to enhance my game. It was medicine prescribed by a doctor that I wasn't aware of. The test came back, and I'm responsible for what I put in my body. You are. He says, just got to make sure it's not going to happen again. So he said a whole lot more as well. And I think he needed to come out and kind of explain what was going on. Uh, he, he even mentioned that, you know, I'll continue to, to practice. I'll continue to play in preseason games and we'll just see what happens from here. Uh, we talked about it for the most part yesterday. I don't think they're going to cut him at this moment. I think he'll go through camp, go through preseason. They're going to need as many bodies as possible. He would quite literally have to go stupid. I think to make this team, um, knowing there's a suspension over his head. So that's another hurdle he'd have to get over. So Ronald Jones talk cleared the air and we'll see what happens. Wish him the best, but he's got a super uphill battle now as we move forward. We'll stick with the running back room. So yesterday, Jerry Jones got on a bunch of different media outlets. And I think this one actually was on one of five through the fan. They asked Jerry Jones once again, especially since the Ronald Jones situation. Hey, Jerry, what about Ezekiel uh, Elliott? How you feeling about that guy there? And Jerry said, well, we're reading the tea leaves. He hasn't been ruled out at all. Mike McCarthy was asked about that. And Mike seemed very annoyed about it. But here's what some of the things Mike McCarthy had to say. And this is a pretty long quote here from Mike. Quote, We're not just going to hit a bump and give up on the path. We want to see these young guys. We want to see them play in games. We'll just continue to develop the room. It's great to have two number one backs in your room. We clearly benefited benefited from it uh, in 2021 and 2022. I felt like we used those guys. I think our attempts in ball distribution reflected that. But this is about the bigger picture, says McCarthy. It goes well beyond the running back room, how you fit it together, there's also a final proje- a financial projection that is involved in a lot of these decisions. This is the roster we've put together, and my job is to make sure I develop it at all times. <clears throat> this Honestly, I kind of like Mike McCarthy saying, nah, nah. Look, Jerry, you, 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 you can say what you want to say in this media, but this is my team now. You gave me the keys. Let me do my thing. Let me evaluate these backs. Let's get them out there in games because I told y'all, y'all not feel about running backs in training camp. I think they're all going to look good for the most part because you can't tackle them. You know, you can't really hit them too much. So once you get to training, I'm sorry, once you get to preseason, you'll be able to see a little bit more from these backs. So Mike is like, hey, man, let me continue to do this developmental thing here. See what happens in in, in uh, the preseason games. And then we can revisit whomever is on the market, which it's not just Zeke. That's what's crazy, right? Media constantly asks Jerry about Zeke because it's going to get the clicks and the headlines. There are other backs out there as well. But Jerry Jones continues to not close the door. Mike McCarthy not even trying to knock at the door at this moment. And I just think it's kind of a... Look, again, I like that Mike is not a pushover in this situation, or in any situation, for real, for real, besides the Kellen thing, which he had no... He couldn't do anything about it. He got the job. Kellen's the guy. All right, let's see what we can do here. I'll try to play team guy. Didn't work out. You gave me the keys, Jerry. Let me work. Right? So a guy like Jason, maybe, a guy like Kellen, if he happened to be the head coach, probably Zeke would probably be here. 
probably be here right now. But Mike is trying to see what these young bucks got, see what these fresh legs, these young young legs can do. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, you got plenty of time to sign another running back. You don't necessarily need to do it right now. So I'm with Mike McCarthy right now. Let's see what this room can do before we go all crazy. Because Ronald Jones got suspended. Ronald Jones wasn't going to affect your room one way or the other if, if he was on the field or not in, in training camp, in my opinion. So let's not panic and, and make a, a panic move here in that, in that position. I will say this. One of the talking points about replacing Ezekiel Elliott was the red zone, right? I believe almost all of his touchdowns came in the red zone. It came inside the five-yard line. I think he had 12 rushing touchdowns. I want to say 10, 10 of them came inside the five-yard line, and all but one, I think, came inside the red zone. Hell, they might have all came inside the red zone. But I know 90-some percent of them came in the red zone. And that was a key target area for the Cowboys yesterday and all reports and we'll talk more to Brian about it, all reports coming out of camp is that the red zone area was sharp yesterday very sharp and I don't necessarily think that's a surprise Cowboys Nation as I bring you back here and we wrap up the morning roundup you should not be surprised about the Cowboys uh, sharpness success or what have you in the red zone specifically under Mike McCarthy let me tell you why Mike McCarthy, as a play caller or as the head coach, let me just say that because he wasn't a play caller with Dallas, but you'll see something here in a second. Mike McCarthy's tenure as a head coach has constantly produced quality quality red zone successful teams since he's been here. In the league, I say, when I say here. First year, obviously, in Green Bay, not great, right? But then he produced one, two, three, four, Four, five straight top 10 finishes, and I believe four of them were top five. Took a bit of a rough patch there in 2013, bounced back with 11th, and then he finished off his tenure in uh, Green Bay, ninth and fourth. And in 2018, didn't include that because he was fired halfway through the season, but they even finished 14th in 2018. So if you look at his tenure in Green Bay as a play caller, they've always done quality things in the red zone. But what about Dallas, guy? All right, 2020, first year here, pandemic year. Dak gets hurt very early. Now, if I remember correctly, even within even within the weird start the Cowboys had, the Cowboys are actually trending to be a really good red zone team in those first four games before Dak got hurt. And then, boom, he gets hurt. All the quarterbacks that weren't good finish 27th. What happens the next year where Dak plays most of the season? Six. What happens the next year when Dak plays 12 games? First. What happens in those five games Dallas was without Dak Prescott in the red zone? Bottom of the t- uh, bottom of the league. They were literally top, bottom five, bottom three in getting to the red zone and then not succeeding in the red zone. So to be bottom five and then finish number one is crazy. Well, Sky, that's Kellen Moore. Is it, though? I will give credit to Kellen Moore that he improved in the red zone, but I will also say with the help of Mike McCarthy. Before Mike McCarthy got here to Dallas Cowboys Nation, the one year that Kellen called the plays, 2019, the Cowboys were 31st in red zone scoring. 31st. To go from 31st to 6th and 1st, 
Mind you, Dak played all of 2019. To six and first, I don't think it's some some coincidence that Mike McCarthy is here. I think it's on purpose. I think him having come to the Cowboys in 2020 is why you saw the red zone improve. And if you go before 2019, they were 24th in 2018. That was something we were complaining about, right? Like the red zone offense really got bogged down for two straight or two and a half years. 2017, 18, 19, it wasn't right. Enter Mike McCarthy, the red zone improves. And the red zone is where you saw a whole lot of the Cowboys succeeding. And in fact, in fact, I believe they were perfect down there. Maybe one time they didn't get a chance to, to get it in. And I think it was the pass breakup by uh, Trayvon Diggs. So why am I pointing out the red zone? Because I think it's it's important. The Cowboys for decades, really. Uh, when I say decades, I mean over the course of Dak Prescott and Tony Romo, they've always been good between the 20s, right? Between the 20s is not an issue. Where it got a little herky-jerky, and I shouldn't say it's not an issue because there's times it got a bit of an issue. Where things got weird and things get frustrating is when you get down there and you can't punch it in, right? For instance, Buccaneers game. There were some good things, and they did some really good and fun things that puts your defense in a bind and in a blender down there in the red zone. I didn't see none of it. That next week, except once, I believe it was the play action boot and they got a touchdown to, I think, Dalton Schultz, but they got back down in the red zone three other times and they couldn't really punch that thing in. I get it's against a, a, a top ranked defense, but you are a top ranked scoring red zone unit. Why the drastic change from one week to the other? Why? So we want to see more consistency once we get into that postseason from the red zone. And we want to see more consistency, obviously, throughout the season, too. We don't want to have a four or five-game stretch where we can't even get down there. And when we do, we're kicking field goals. We want to remain dominant like we were uh, the back half of that season and for the most part like we were in 2021. It's an important area. The green zone, money zone, red zone is where a lot of these games are won and lost. And, again, you could you could argue it's where the game was won and lost in San Fran. You got down there. You got down there about four times, roughly. You only punched it in once. You had an interception, and I believe you had a missed opportunity on third down, kicked two field goals. You got to be able to punch it in. So to see them have some success uh, yesterday in the red zone and continue to work on that is something big. But again, it shouldn't surprise you. Mike McCarthy has been a fantastic red zone play caller throughout his career when you go look at his stint in Green Bay. And when you go look at his stint here in Dallas, I think he helped, uh, not Mike McCarthy, he helped Kellen Moore get better in that area. So without further ado, Cowboys Nation, let's go ahead and welcome in our next guest this week, the one, the only, Brian Broadus, 105.3 The Fan, former Dallas Cowboys scout, Ladies and gentlemen, what's good, B? He's in the building. Hey, Sky, how's it going this uh, this morning? Nice to be with you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you blessing us with your time today. It's been a long time, too long that I haven't been able to yeah. talk so ball with you, man. No, yeah, I appreciate that. I, <laughs> I tell you what, man, it seems like that uh, I have uh, five or six jobs now. Yeah. You know, when you get that uh, kid that goes to college, you got to find a way to pay for college. So. <laughs> 
Uh, it seems like I got a lot of time going a lot of different places, but always nice to make time for you. You're one of the hardest working gentlemen in this industry, man. And you, you managed to do a fantastic job at all 16 of these jobs that you're doing, including <laughs> being down you. there at training camp. Uh, first off, man, how, how is it being back out there with that beautiful weather, getting a chance to get away from this triple digit heat? Oh, I'll tell you what, uh, I've been coming to Oxnard for a long time, and I could go all the way back uh, to the days when I was in the scouting department with the Cowboys, and we were in, uh, you know, we were in uh, Wichita Falls in the early 2000s, and I remember being on, a, you know, the, the tower with uh, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and, and Jerry Jr. and Larry Lacewell, and we were just, you know, sitting there, and it was like one of those 108-degree days in Wichita Falls. And, you know, we're all just standing there sweating. And, you know, Jerry looks at us and goes, guys, this is madness. This is absolute madness what we're doing right now. And from that point on, uh, I remember Jerry, you know, he, he's really good friends with Al Davis. And the Raiders used to have their facility where the Cowboys currently are here at the River Ridge. You know, they had a couple of fields, they had the hotel, you know, they had all that that they were using. I remember Jerry sent John Hickman, uh, you know, from our marketing department to come out here and look at the Oxnard facility. And it really was, that was the start. I mean, the Cowboys, growing up as a kid, always trained in Thousand Oaks. You know, just to get away from the weather in, in Texas. And, you know, it was always a successful camp. So the Cowboys had all those, those years. And then Jerry bought the team. You know, you went to Austin for those early years, you know, Wichita Falls, San Antonio. But, you know, you end up at this place. I just couldn't imagine a better place yeah. to practice football. And, and just for the reason, Sky, of, you know, when you look at camps around the country, you know, and a lot of teams are using their indoor facilities, their their homes, you know, and you know, doing that. But you know, when you're when you're practicing in heat and humidity and all that, you're not concentrating on what you're doing. You're concentrating on how to survive practice. And out here, you don't have to do that. You just practice football. The weather is not going to bother you. But it allows you to get your work in. You know, yeah. it really, really does. I know from that Wichita Falls time, you know, we weren't a very good team. The Dave Campo teams, we weren't a good team. But, you know, we, the way that Dave practiced, you know, and the way that it was before collective bargaining, you know, and the way he had two-a-days, pads, half-pads, all that stuff, you know, we just killed that team. And, and you know, we get to the Philadelphia game, and they maul us. Andy Reid, I think it was when Andy Reid's, first years in Philadelphia, Naomi Gain is Maldives. And so you have to think about your team. You have to think about how you practice. And this is just the best conditions that you can ever, ever imagine to practice in. It, it definitely feels like that. And you talked about being Wichita Falls, San Antonio. So we know you've been around the team for a long time. If you guys do not know, yeah. former scout Brian, he was, he was around there, Tony Romo era. And predates that as well. I got a question for you. You've been covering this team. Yeah. You, you've scouted this team. Where would you stack this off season in comparison to the last decade or so since you've been uh, covering the squad? Yeah, Sky. It's uh, it was different 
in the way of how the offseason went about when it came to player acquisition. We're so accustomed to them drafting, them re-signing their own. And for Will McClay and Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, Mike McCarthy to figure out that, you know, hey, here's an opportunity to go out and get a step on Gilmore. And there's an opportunity to go get a Brandon Cooks, you know, and, and to use compensatory picks in that way of doing it, it, you know, it was, and to get these teams that, you know, were holding these players to come up with money to offset any money that you might have to spend. Mm -hmm. It it was, it was unique in that way. And it it, it was, I think it's something that the Cowboys are looking at, you know, going forward. How can we use, you know, picks, compensatory picks in order to kind of supplement the roster and, I, you know, the, the, the pick with Mozzie Smith is so different from yes. what we've seen, say, under the Rod Marinelli administration, where we're not interested in the one technique or the nose, you know, or that big inside body. We're, you know, they that completely, you know, Dan Quinn and, and AD and those guys in the defensive staff last year, you saw what adding, you know, Hankins did to this defense. And they also saw without Hankins what this defense, how it can look. And so those are the kinds of things that, you know, Will, I think, is really, really, really good at. And, you know, he's always going to protect his team. He's always going to try and bring in guys like if it's Adoga or Jones. He's always going to protect himself with a veteran guy and allow kind of as a bridge to maybe let younger guys have opportunities and then you know it's not a high risk you know money situation so you know they're always going to build their team I feel like in the right way Um, you know they're going to plug holes they're going to try and find surplus Uh, they're going to take if they have a a lot of guys let's say surplus at a position they're going to add another guy to that too they're just going to keep adding guys and you know I, I do respect the way that we'll does go about his business. I think the scouts, the pro scouts, they do a really nice job of understanding the league and then kind of being able to compete with what's in the division. This division got better. Yeah. This, you know, the commanders are better. The Giants are better. You know, the Eagles, of course, the team you're really chasing is the division winners. But that's the most important thing to Will McClay is he's got to find a way to build a team that can win the division first. And then once he does that, then now you're going to, now you worry about the others, the San Francisco's and the others that are going to compete for this conference title uh, coming this fall. I think something else that, that seems to be different, B, is that they decided to go ahead and give Mike McCarthy the reins to this offense as opposed to Kellen Moore, where years past, you remember Jason Garrett, he, uh, the reports were, you can sure. confirm this or not. Jason Garrett wanted to take over the play calling in 2019, and the reports were saying that he was denied that for Kellen Moore. Well, this year they said, go ahead, Mike McCarthy. We're giving you the reins now. What do you think went into that decision to to move away from Kellen Moore or mutually move away from Kellen Moore and and, and give the reins to Mike McCarthy, something we haven't really seen much around here over the last decade or so? Yeah, you used the word mutually, and I think you're absolutely right about that. I think that uh, 
just my observation, I felt like that Green Bay game was the end of the road for Kellen Moore. I just felt like that when they went to Green Bay, Mike McCarthy put so much into that game. There were a lot of guys that had Green Bay ties. I, I just remember before the game, you know, they're they hey, Green Bay Packers, let's welcome back. And they had, you know, like six guys up on the scoreboard, you know, coaches and yeah. staff and and, and there was so much that went into that game. And the fact that they had a lead in that game and lost it the way that they did, you know, you know Mike felt like, hey, that that's on Kellen. But I really do believe Kellen was ready to leave as quickly as he had an opportunity after he was removed here and to end up at the, uh, the Chargers like he did. You know, he probably closed his door in, you know, in week 13 and, and you know, started calling people about getting out of there, you know, week 14, week 15. I mean, started calling people and thinking, hey, you know, I've, I've run my course here. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, not going to deal with this guy. I, I do think there was a philosophy difference yeah. between what Mike McCarthy wants to do and what Kellen Moore was doing. And I think that Mike was, I give him credit for this. He was smart enough to understand that, you know, really that Dak was thriving in this. They, you know, the offense was first in scoring two years ago, fourth in scoring last year. You know, I mean, let's not be stupid about it. This offense was, until the playoffs, you know, was really coming along. And so, you know, it, it kind of felt like that, that, you know, Mike was like, listen, I don't want to sit there and install a whole new offense and I'll let Kellen do this. And, you know, and, and you know, the Jones family convinced Mike did, hey, give Kellen a chance. And they and Mike did. And I, I think that we're to a situation now where Mike realizes that he's got to help his quarterback more. And I'm mm -hmm. not just talking about the interceptions and stuff. You mentioned it before I came on. You know, you talked about red zone yesterday. Uh, the the two-point plays yesterday they ran, I mean, the defense had no answer for the two-point plays. Now, whether that's Brian Schottenheimer, whether it's Mike McCarthy, you know, the creativity down on the goal line and the red zone and all that, you know, these are things that you kind of felt like that, you know, hey, Kellen Moore had a grasp of some of this, but Mike McCarthy seems to take it to a little bit of a different level. Mm. And so he realizes that he has to help. And I, I, think that, I think the Jones family trusts Mike in a way to be able to say, hey, you know, Mike probably went in there and said, I, you know what, I can do this better. I can do this aspect of our football team better, you know, and that's where they're at right now. Now, the, the big question will be, and I've said this all really since we, before we camp, the concerns I have is there was such a high turnover on the offensive staff, you know, are things going to be, once they get into the season, is it going to be smooth? Are they going to come out? You know, this team I don't think can be three and three you know, with Mike McCarthy calling plays and, you know, before somebody's asked questions like, okay, is this really the right direction? This offense needs to come out humming like I talked about and show that, you know, by the time they get to that San Francisco game that they're ready to go win that thing. That's, a, to me, a very one of those games I circled, a very important game, you know, going to, you know, to San Francisco on a Sunday night and finding a way to win that football game. You know, you're going to create some doubt there if you go in there and do what you need to do. You know, you're going to make yeah. this look differently. So 
I think that's what Mike wants to do. I don't think he I think he wants to help the quarterback. I think he wants to help the offense. And the Jones family agree with him that he potentially uh, can do all those things we just talked about. But let's kind of get into, into some of the things you're seeing down there from an offensive standpoint. You talked about this yesterday about horizontal concepts and using every inch of the field. And I know Schottenheimer talked about that as well. And one of the things that I've always wanted to look at this uh, training camp was not necessarily the individual players, because I think there's skill and talent there, but how are they being used? You're familiar with the West Coast, and just from afar, it seems like there's some more concepts there, some more sluggos, some more slants, some horizontal concepts. Is, is that what you're seeing down there? Yeah, it, it's guy. It, it really is. And when you watch, what you really can see is when they they do what they call group install, and group install is a, a the periods before they go to team, and they'll always work on what they're going to do in practice as a team uh, in that pre-practice step. And what I've noticed is a lot more bunch formation, which is the three wide receivers mm-hmm. together. Uh, they're planning on teams. We had Michael Gallup on uh, 105.3, the fan, yesterday, and we were talking about that, and Zach Wolchuk asked him about the bunch formations, and their ability to scatter from that, and you know they they feel like they're going to get a lot of man coverage. You know it's what's going on in the league now, so they're they're kind of finding ways to combat that. I've seen a lot of what they call the twins, with yeah. the two wide receivers, and then what you have is a you have like a pick and then a drive behind the pick. There's been a lot of crossing routes. There's been a lot of of uh, running routes at different layers, and it's really all on the move. In, in the past, we've seen Dak throwing to stationary or static targets or to an area. Here, there's far more crossing and running guys through trash, and, you know, you see that, especially on the, the red zone yesterday. They were, you know, guys, even the routes that, you know, in, in a small area, a lot of movement, a lot of, a crossing routes a lot, you know, and Dak has done a pretty nice job, you know, in these couple of practices where they've been in pads of throwing the ball and being accurate. Uh, you know, I know there was a, you know, people have put up the clips of the interception stuff, the one to Hooker. I, I don't know why he threw the ball the way he did the like one that Hooker got the other day. It seemed like, it seemed like to me he quit on the play and he just threw the ball, you know, but we all know when Dak throws an interception, it makes national news. Yes. So, you know, that's that's the thing that, you know, but overall, it's just more of the movement, more of trying to create separation, uh, more of trying to uh, get guys to get them the ball on the move. And I, I think that's the best way that guys like Cooks and Lamb, those guys play really, really well on the move. And, you know, that's what they're they're trying to do. Uh, this is kind of a bit of a sidebar here. I'm watching some of these clips from from the red zone area, and I noticed Ferguson being involved down there. With Schoolmaker yeah. being out, I'm very curious on your your analysis on how the tight ends are looking down there, particularly Ferguson, because it seems like he's going to get the first call up. Yeah, that we, we we had this discussion. Um, gosh, I forget what show it was. It might have been the break, but we were talking about, or it might have been dinner. I don't know we were so we were talking about Hendershot. And had you really noticed Hendershot all that much? And you know, yesterday Hendershot had a you know had a couple of catches, some nice plays. He had to drop also though on a what they call a spot route where he just curled up and you know Dak tried to kind of feed him the ball, and it you know it hit off the Hendershot. 
you know, but Ferguson is the one that has been getting the primary look. Uh, I did see, you know, I'm one of these guys that I'm buying the Schoonmaker uh, hype, and, yep. you know, I know there's a lot of people that are worried about that. You know, I've talked to Will McClay about it. I've talked to a couple of guys in the scouting department, you know, and trying to say, hey, listen, I'm, you know, guys, I'm pulling for you here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Schoonmaker train because I feel like that Michigan didn't really use him the right way. You know, Michigan's offense is a power running game, and he was a point-of-attack blocker, and he's really good at it. But there's times where you see him run routes, and they're pretty simple what he was doing at Michigan, pretty basic. But to me, the guy's got some underrated hands, and he's got really good size, and he moves well for how big he is. So, you know, he, he, he was out there kind of doing some work yesterday. Hopefully they'll get him back here soon enough. I mean, that was one of those that when you initially asked at camp, but when camp opened, I said, hey, any timetable on Schoonmaker? And, you know, I couldn't get anybody to say anything definitive. Hmm. And that kind of was worried to me. I'm thinking, oh, please don't let this be a redshirt year. But this kid is really, really tough. Um, he's he's really focused. And, you know, he'll help. I mean, they, they, they clearly, you know, there's been some times in the nine-on-seven period where the tight ends have actually done a pretty darn good job. You know, I mean, it's not one-on-ones. It's not the ones versus the ones. It's, you know, there's some there's some twos and threes mixed in there with the ones. I mean, they kind of mix it up a little bit. But, you know, the tight ends have done a pretty decent job of some of the point of attack blocking. Now, where they really struggled is they can't block these edges. I mean, and again, I know one of them is Micah Parsons. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Nobody's blocked Micah Parsons in this camp yet. You know, it just hasn't happened. But they've tried, and but the tight ends have really struggled when they've asked them to stay in in those max protection situations and try and block these edges. They 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 just don't have the sustain that you know that we that they probably are really comfortable. You know when you when you run max, you're trying to get the ball down the field, and when you're when the, the max blockers are not getting it done, well, it makes the play look even worse. So. Yeah. It's, there's been some really good, really good catches, some really good routes, some good finish. There's been some good blocks at the point of attack, but there's also been there's some of the leakage in the passing game when they're asked to stay in. Yeah, I think that's where Schoonmaker will come in, right? He, he could be like a quasi-six offensive lineman because, you know, the film shows exactly. that he, he was blocking exactly. defensive yeah. ends being in college and doing it pretty well. No, no, that's him. That's Schoonmaker. And like you say, you, you watch Michigan run the football they were one of the best, you know, they won the Tom Moore Award for the best college offensive line last year. And, and really what a lot of that had to do was with, you know, Blake Corum, who's back running the ball at Michigan. I mean, he'll be a guy that we would talk about during the draft show. And, you know, but they ran the ball behind Schoonmaker. It was like it was a physical downhill attack. And, you know, I mean, but I think there's more to his game than just the blocking aspect. Yep. I think there's some – I think there's some receiving ability there as well. You talked about was it Tom Moore offensive line award? It, yeah, that, the Tom Moore. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think any Tom Moore offensive line awards are going to be given to this offensive line at camp right now without Zach Martin be because because what I'm hearing yeah. right now is they're having a tough tough time blocking these guys up front with the absence of Big Zach. Now I know that's going to play out behind the scenes. Hopefully it stays behind the scenes and not in front of the media too much. But what I want to know yeah. on the flip side of that, Brian, is 
guys like Ball and Forniak and, and Bass, and these guys are going to get opportunities to showcase that they can hold up. Can you kind of give us your analysis on those guys that are, you know, replacing Zach Martin at the moment? And if the Balls and Forniaks uh, aren't doing it, is there someone behind them that is catching your eye? Well, this is a mess right now, and I'm not going to lie to your listeners. It, it's a mess. And, and you know, there's a lot going on here uh, behind the scenes. And it's, a, it's interesting to see the approach that Zach has taken, and it's interesting uh, the approach that the Cowboys have taken. And, you know, there is – I didn't feel like – I, first off, let me say this. I don't think that Zach Martin wants to be sitting out of practices and being away from his teammates and potentially missing games and all that. But that that's something that's now a reality. That is something that's a reality. And I didn't want to believe that. And I felt like that getting fined $50,000 a day uh, was going to be uh, something that he was, you know, maybe a week of this, you know, maybe a couple of days. I, I don't know. I was thinking that, you know, we'll find a way to get to camp. But the, the Cowboys seemed very dug in on their position. And and talking to people in the organization about it, you know, they don't know what Zach's going to do. They just, they don't. They don't have an idea. Mm. You know, they're, they're not even going to play that guessing game with you. Because every day I walk up to somebody that would know or, you know, a couple people that would know on the practice field. And I just look at me and they just kind of shrug, you know. And so I think that what's going to happen here is it's going to be a matter of does Zach want to miss game checks? You know, is he is he that dug in to miss game checks? But I will say this, Sky, my biggest fear is something happens to Tyron Smith. Yes, and then all of a sudden, Tyler Smith has to go play left tackle. And now you've got two spots that you're dealing with. You're dealing with the left guard and the right guard. And I'm going to say this. I think, I think Matt Farniak has done a, a decent job. I think, you know, for us to sit there and act like that, oh, that everything's okay with back being out and we'll find a way to get it done and da-da-da-da-da, I think that's kind of fool's gold, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, he is the number one candidate for that right guard spot if something doesn't materialize with Zach Martin. He struggled last and, year, B. You know, that's, he struggled. Yeah, and, that's, and that's, that's, the, that's the situation you're in because Zach Martin and Terrence Steele work very well together. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to tell you this, man. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Josh Ball. I, I don't see it right now. You know, and that was funny. I was talking with I was talking with Daniel Jeremiah, you know, the NFL Network the other day, and they were here at practice, and you know, we were talking about it, and he was saying, well, the right guard, and I go, well, Josh Ball, and he goes, man, I just don't see the power. I never saw the power with Josh Ball to play guard. And, uh, you know, Adoga's had his problems at, you know, a couple of tackle spots. Maybe he's better to guard, but, you know, they've tried, you know, they've tried T.J. Bass. They've tried T.J. Bass, and there's been some, you know, been some decent play, but not nearly good enough to where you need to be. I kind of felt like, well, maybe he'll step up. and But they are really struggling with that that spot. And it's clear, 
you know, when you watch Dak go back to pass and that right side and say Steele's not in there, but, you know, there's like a Doga and Ball, it's, you know, it's just, it doesn't, I mean, Dak is kind of taking the snap, setting up, and then having to move because the rush is on top of him. So this is a game of, uh, this is a game of who will blink first Mm -hmm. and just, Kind of listening to Cowboys talk about it a little bit, they're they're dug in on this one. They they realize that like, hey, we made you the highest paid offensive lineman or, or inside interior lineman several years ago. You know, are you? What are you looking for? You, you know, I'm sure the Cowboys would be looking for. You know, if you want to do an extension, fine, but we're not going to do year to year with you. We're just not. You know, so that's that's kind of where we're at right now. It, it doesn't look good. It just doesn't look good when you when you watch out. You know, and I'm sure the Cowboys are probably sitting there thinking, you know, hell, we we uh, you know we we won games without Tyron Smith. You know, we won with a rookie left tackle. You know, and yeah, I don't know. If that's the best way to approach that. I really don't. You know what I was thinking about, Brian? When it comes to thinking of both sides, I think there's an argument to to both sides, right? But. For Zach, this was sure. honestly the perfect year for Zach to do this because Connor McGovern is no longer on this team. And Connor McGovern right. for a few years was kind of that swing interior guy. And if you remember week one of 2021, was it, when Zach Martin was out? He, he held his own. Yeah. The offense, you know, moved along well. He wasn't Zach Martin, but mm-hmm. he held his own. Now, right. when Zach Martin goes to that negotiation room, there is no Connor McGovern. There's Josh Ball. So it, it's yeah. it's really it can get ugly if if he really does decide to sit this thing out. Well, you know, and that's the thing. I don't think he's going to retire because there was some talk about that. Because then he'd have to get back money, and I don't think he particularly wants to do Agreed. that. You know, it's it's a uh, it, man. It, it's you know he's probably sitting at home and he's reading the reports or he's listening to your podcast or. You know, he's doing something where people are talking about, you know, hey, it's not pretty. This is just not pretty. I, You know, you're if you're out here watching practice, you're seeing some of the issues at right guard. And, again, my biggest fear is if something happens, then they have to move the left guard, you mm-hmm. know. And so that's I, – I just – you know, there was a side of me, Sky, that I believed that they were going to, you know, find a way to meet him halfway. You know, find a way you know, two, yeah. three million dollars. Yeah, two, three million dollars halfway. And you know, I've said it on a couple of different platforms: Love of the Star, One Hundred Five Three, The Fan, Cowboys Break. I, you know, I've said it, and I'm saying it now on your platform. I, I don't know. I don't believe that might. I don't believe that's true now. I don't believe that's true. I thought that they would find a way. Uh, again, I could be dead balls wrong. You know about this, but I just don't just talking to people, it just doesn't feel like that they're really interested in, in doing anything. They're like, Hey, we'll, we'll play, you know, and we'll, we have to toe the line here. And as hard as it is to not have a, you're all pro hall of fame. And I think Jerry has to be really careful, Sky. I mean, yes. the other day, you know, listen, I was standing there at uh, Indianapolis at the combine when Stephen Jones, uh, you know, was sitting there talking about, Todd Gurley money when he was, you know, mentioning Ezekiel Elliott. We were asking him questions about Ezekiel Elliott's contract. And Stephen Jones goes, I think it starts with Todd Gurley, doesn't it? And we all kind of looked at each other and like, maybe, maybe not. That's a lot of money, you know? And so that's kind of where, 
that's kind of where, uh, you know, I think the Joneses learned their lesson. They can't, Jerry can't come out and say, uh, oh, hey, you know, Zach Martin, our Hall of Fame, all-pro guard, you know, yeah, we miss him. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think Jerry wants to, to put that out there. I, I don't. I think they think all that, but I think Jerry and Steven learned a lesson about talking about their players in a way, and then it comes back to, it comes back. They did it with Dak, you know, talking about Dak, and then it comes back on them. I think they've taken the approach now that, like, we're not going to say anything positive or negative. We're going to try and be as neutral as possible and not give these uh, give these agents or really the fan base anything to sink their teeth in and like, well, listen, you're the one that said he was an all-pro. Mm-hmm. You're the one that said he was a Hall of Famer. Why aren't you paying the guy? What's the problem here? Essentially, so I think they learned their lesson from that. Yeah, they're being yeah. tactical in the media, and and that's kind of where they're trying. Jerry, they're trying, but but yeah, yeah but they're, yeah, yeah. But I think they're also sky real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, oh, but good. I think he's being ta- he's being tactical, but I think he's also being, I think he's also being truthful. That you know what? Hey, this is this is you know he said, hey, I'm not going to talk about the Zach Martin situation, but the last. Several times he we've heard it. Jerry talk. He's brought up stuff about Zach Martin. Yeah, <laughs> but everybody's watching practice. Everybody's watching practice. You know, everybody's eyes are focused on what's going on at the, on the right guard spot. You know, as much as you're watching Mozzie Smith at play one technique or three technique, you're watching what's going on at right guard. We've got Brian Broadus, former Cowboy scout, current host, 105 through the fan G Bag Nation, joining us today with some fantastic stuff. Brian, a couple years ago, actually it was a while ago. It might have been almost a decade ago. Do you remember the proud Brian meme that was going viral? Yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> the that was the uh, Rams. That game. was the game. It was the Rams game, and uh, I remember because you know uh, I I was waiting for that kid to make a play. Playboy. I was I was just you know my yeah I was just ready for my man to make a play. And, you know, he was my OSU guy, love him, you know. And so when he made a play that game, I, I, my thought in my head, and I just, you know, and I, he's walking by, and that's where I got that look. And I said, you know, in my mind, I went, I go, it's, a, it's about damn time. It's it's what I, you know, in my, in my mind, when he walked by me, I said, it's about damn time. <laughs> and I thought it. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Oh, but your face but says just, it all, B. It says it all. My face said I was so happy for him. I was happy for him because, you know, he had just taken such a beating, you know, in the media, he, you know, his health and all that stuff. And, you who, know, I just was I was super happy for him. I bring that up because I want to know who would be worthy of, of proud Brian right now down at training camp uh, since you've been out there taking a note. That's a really good question. And when I say that, you have to kind of think about what you're going to say. I, I will say proud Brian moment to me. I, man, I just, you know, it's, I'm watching, um, damn. I'm cause I was thinking about, I was, I was thinking about these cornerbacks and, and what they, because yeah, the Eric Nation Wright, I know is, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the nation rights, you know, I mean, nation rights taking a lot of, People are they're attack, they're attacking Nation Wright because Gilmore on the other side has been so good. But you know, I 
I have to say that the way that he's been able to, to compete, I will say this about, I'll give you one that, I mean, just kind of going through the roster a little bit here too. I'll proud Brian uh, on, uh, on Demon on Demont Cook, hey. you know, Demont and, Clark? you know, and so Clark, excuse yes. me, Cook, Clark like and Demont Clark. And I, you know, again, there's another LSU guy, maybe my proud Brian moments are all reserved <laughs> for LSU players, but with Clark, you know, he, he's, they, they're starting, and I, t- I answered a Twitter question this morning about, about tops, and I said, you know, they were asking me about nickel stuff, and I, I was talking about Overshone, and, but then Clark's name came in my mind because they're starting to use Leighton Vanderish as a rusher. They're starting to put Leighton Vanderish, like Leighton Vanderish is now working with, doing drills with, uh, like the edge guys, like him, Micah, those guys are down there doing edge work. So, you know, that tells me that Overshone, Clark, those guys are getting going to get more opportunity to be like true linebackers. And I was, I was kind of with Clark, I was thinking, you know, last year when he was playing, when Vanderlush was out, Clark wasn't the same player. He just, you know, he just couldn't, he just didn't. He didn't look the same. I mean, Vanderish really, really helped him. You know, Anthony Barr didn't help him. Yeah. You know, Anthony Barr was having his own struggles that he was dealing with, and it didn't help Clark. You know, paired with him, but when you put him with Vanderish, it's a different look. But now they're kind of taking, like I said, they're taking Vanderish and they're putting him in other roles. But Clark is still in that role he's in, so that tells me that they're having confidence in him and Overshone and those guys that these young linebackers can function without Vanderesh being there. If we go use Vanderesh for another spot, then we can play these young linebackers and we'll still be okay. So those those are the guys I'm kind of looking at. Like I said, I mentioned Nation Wright, and I know that people are going to say, "Damn, Brian, he's getting picked on." There's plays that he's making that you don't see. Yeah. And, you know, there's some sub stuff he's given it, but man, that poor kid, you know, there was so much questions about him and Kelvin Joseph and, you know, going into the, you know, these guys busts, you know, I, I think you have to, if you're watching practice, all of Nation Wright's plays haven't been bad, you know, not all of them bad. There's been some coverage things. He's been really good at knocking the ball away and, you know, I've been I've been pretty pleased with what he's done, but like I said, he you know he's in for a battle right now. Yes. They've just it's good to have it's good to have Diggs back though, because Diggs is so damn competitive, you know. And you get Diggs, and I'll tell you, Bland is I think Bland's had some okay days. I don't think Bland's been as good as we as he was last year. And I'm not trying to sound the alarm bell or anything like that, but there's been some plays that Bland has given up. You know, and as the nickel is playing that slot, you know, the receivers have done a good job of finding space on him. So, you know, Diggs, Bland, you know, Gilmore, those guys, I mean, they, they, they've got a good group right there. It just feels like the, the competition between the defensive backs and wide receivers this year are night and day. You know, obviously last year it was C.D. Lamb and you had a bunch of young guys because – you know, Washington was out, right. Gallup was out in camp. But this year, when you add a Brandon Cook, C.D. Lamb is 
morphing into his own. He's a top 10 wide receiver right now. And then Michael Gallup coming back from the ACL in his second year, so he'll be better as well. Now they're including guys like Turpin in the offense. I think you're going to see some of these guys lose some of these battles, but when you talk about Nashawn Wright competing, I think that's a that's a positive thing, and the fact that he's winning some of these yeah. battles is also positive. No, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, the receiving group as a whole, you know, I mean, the – Geez, it's it's been really you know you kind of like you're working the draft show and it comes down to the final pick for the Cowboys and they pick this kid you know they pick a they pick Jalen Brooks you know in the seventh yeah. round yeah uh, you know and, and you're going okay and then you start to kind of do some work on Jalen Brooks and and you're like oh wait special teams guy okay check you know oh you're watching him like run routes in South Carolina oh, a lot of crossing stuff big body guy you know you see him I mean. Every Cowboys camp I've ever been involved with, there's been those Lance Lenores and the people like that, you know, and, and you know, hell, you know, even last year, you know, it was like the Dennis Houston thing, you know, and so you're always going to get these camp wide receivers that kind of come from nowhere, but they, they've got guys, it's not just one or two guys like you mentioned making plays, they've got uh, the, the, the whole thing with Turpin making plays, too. Yeah. And I'll tell you this about Turpin. I think what Turpin has – tell you why I think Turpin has done better now. Turpin played a lot of football last year. He went through that whole USFL season and then came to camp, and I don't know how much they really, really wanted to use him. I don't know how much he really knew what was going on. You know, they're not going to put these guys out there if they don't understand. That's why I think Dennis Houston made the team last year. It's because he knew where he needed to go. He was opposite of what Tolbert was. Tolbert lost complete confidence, lost complete understanding of how he needed to play. You know, it just became he just he drowned. When Dennis Houston, guys like that, they know what they're doing, so they're going to go out there and play these guys. But I think Turpin's body, for as little as he is, he's now to the point where he finally had an offseason where he could rest. You know, he played a ton of games last year. And I don't know if they necessarily wanted to use him for any of these offensive plays, but he's found his way on the field. He's been very productive. Him, Brooks, you know, these kids are all making, you know, receptions, uh, you know, in these practices against some quality defensive backs. I can't help but think it, it. a lot of it is to do with the scheme change a bit, man. And, you heard McCarthy talk about in the offseason saying, I just want to make things easier for them so they can play faster and more confidently. And we heard Tobert talk about it. We heard Simi, Gallup, Lamb. Everyone's talk, talking about it, but they're not just talking, Brian. They're walking. And last year, or you tell me, yeah. it feels like the last number of years, this defense has always been ahead of the offense for quite some time. But right away, first few padded practices, the offense is battling these boys and winning some of them. Yeah, they are, and but we have to also be careful that there's been some times where we mentioned earlier in our conversation where that right side of that offensive right line side, is looked yeah. really bad. Yeah, and then you know, and then heck, you know, Tyron Smith got tossed. You know, we all saw Ooh. those clips. You know, <laughs> saw them with our own eyes. You know, so it, there's been some times where I think there were probably some sacks that went off as completions. You know, so gotcha. I, I think to your point, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm just. I'm just saying, though, there's a couple of times where that ball probably should have been a sack, and here we are, you know, that kind of thing. But but for the most part, the offense has – yesterday in the red zone, was they couldn't have had a better day. 
throwing the ball in the red zone, and they couldn't have had a better day on the two-point plays that they ran. The defense, the defense was absolutely had no chance yesterday, and you know that was their their one defense out there trying to stop mm-hmm. you know the offense, and and it it just didn't it just didn't work out very well. So to your point, there are some very positive things we've seen offensively. I think a lot of it starts with the quarterback. Quarterback's throwing the ball well. I mean, again, that one pass that Hooker, I don't know why he threw that ball there, but he did. Uh, but for the most part, this guy's been accurate. Uh, he's hit guys on the move. And, you know, he looks, uh, you know, he looks like the, a lot of the work that they did in the backyard with these guys is paying off for him. That Cooks, is a, Cooks has been a great addition. Cooks, is, Cooks never stops running. And he's just always moving, always finding ways to get open. He he looks like he could be a special player for this team. Michael Gallup said best yesterday. He goes, I don't understand why he's been on so many teams, but for us, he goes, I'm glad he's here with us. Yeah, you know because he he brings that kind of that kind of game. So we mentioned a lot of players today, and this question you might end up using one of the players we already talked about, but this comes from Professor O. My guy, Professor O, says. I like to know which player you have your eye on that hasn't started to get buzz yet, but is quietly putting together a nice training camp. So maybe someone that's not really in the media a whole lot or, or getting a lot of highlights, but quietly behind the scenes here, they're putting together a steady training camp. B. Yeah. I mean, I was going through, it's funny. I, people have not talked nearly enough about Oso Odigizuwa. I don't think they have. I think Osa, I think he's ready. I think Osa's ready to really break out as that yes. under tackle, that three technique. I mean, he is super, super disruptive in the way that he plays. And, and you know, he is a problem when he lines up over those guards. And he's one of those guys when it's the nine-on-seven period, whether the defense is kind of having a rough day, he's the one guy showing up. Him. Chauncey Golston have shown like they've been that like that run period in the pads that those guys have shown up. I was watching him in the pass rush stuff. He was able to win uh, win some on the edge as well. Uh, you know, doing that. I think that Osa is a guy that not a lot of people are kind of talking about right now, but he's he's going in the direction that you're really kind of like, okay, hey, this is this guy's done a pretty damn good job. I'll give you another guy too. Wanye Thomas, the safety from Georgia Tech, has had you – know, he's a guy that not many people have talked about, but you watch number 30 and, you know, in the, in the drills and then around the ball, uh, he's a guy that's very, very vocal. Um, he's kind of a guy that, you know, when they have problems, they come off the field, you always see him kind of coaching guys up. So he appears the communication skills and stuff are really, really good that way. But I, I've, been, I've been impressed with him – and you know, watching him play at safety because they've had those they've had those injuries mm-hmm. and they've had to try and figure some things out. And he seems like that he's one of those guys that's we'll see in the preseason games. You know, he'll probably get a lot of run in these three preseason games. You know, and maybe he'll show up on special teams as well. But guy is always around the ball and he's always a guy communicating. But I really liked him, and then I like what I saw with Osa. I will say this too for your uh, for your listeners as well. You know, Quentin Bohanna showed up yesterday, big, big bone. and that's the first time. Yeah, that's the first time that you know that I could say that. You know, it's a really important year, I think, for Quentin. I think for these under tackles now that you got Mozzie, or excuse me, the, the nose tackles. 
now you've got Mozzie, now you've got Hankins, you know, Quentin Bohanna, is he a guy that will be in the mix? But yesterday in practice, he actually showed up pretty well. So, uh, you know, good for him for doing that. Yeah, the defensive line, the interior-wise, I think is night and day to start training camp from last year where, you know, Bohanna yeah. was really kind of your leading guy as a one-tech and Tristan Hill was fighting, you know, to get on the team. Neville Gallimore couldn't breathe in Denver. You know, his asthma or something was getting the best of him. This year, guys yeah. like Neville Gallimore are going to have to really impress to keep these other young guys off their heels. So I love the interior depth. Well, yeah, they, they, yeah, they've got some good depth. You're absolutely right about that. And, you know, the one thing is, you know, you're talking about the Tristan Hills and people like that. They always seemed like he was always on the ground. You know, there was always he was always on the ground. These these the front seven that the Cowboys currently have, and those guys practice, they're not on the ground. They're guys playing on their feet. They're guys going to the ball. You know, it, it's been it's been a lot different from what we've seen in the past. Man, Brian brought us 105 through the fan, absolutely giving us fantastic analysis down there. Uh, last thing before I get you going here, because I didn't even realize we're about 40 some minutes in. This has been awesome, Brian. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. No one, problem. One thing I've noticed, man, I got to give you your flowers while you're here. Uh, I've been watching you for a very, very long time. Okay. I mean, probably since I can remember getting on the internet and watching podcasts and whatnot, when you guys were in some, it looked like a closet down there at, at Valley Ranch. I think yeah. you, you were kind of in yeah. the closet there. What I appreciate, yeah. man, is that you've had a number of different teammates come through that door during the draft show and you've, taught them how to scout or you've helped aided them, the Dave Helmets, the Jeff Cavanaugh's, the nosebleed guys, Aisha. You know, we we all are fans yeah. of them, but I don't know if they if, if people out there know you have a big say in in them getting to that respectable level. So I kind of want to give you your flowers and just ask like what is it like kind of being a, a a teacher in sense when it comes to scouting for these future scouts or or future film analysts uh, creators. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning all those guys and gals. And, uh, you know, yesterday at practice, uh, I got to watch, uh, a practice with jazz Daigle is, you know, and I was, you know, from, uh, the, you know, her, they do a tremendous job on their podcast and stuff like that, you know, and, and jazzy and it's great. And I would appreciate being on with them. The, the, the thing that, I just, I've always taken an interest in people that wanted to learn, you know, that learn, the, the, you know, the, about whether the draft or football or, you know, I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I always try and find the answers. I, I've learned a lot, you know, I, I can't, I can't tell you how important David Hellman was in my life working at DallasCowboys.com. You know, every story that, for, so, yeah, every story that I ever wrote for DallasCowboys.com for all those years, Dave Hellman edited. He he literally rewrote every article that I ever posted on DallasCowboys.com. And, you know, and I, I can't, I mean, he's doing his job and doing my job. You know, he's, you know, he's got the words, but he's writing it. I can't tell you how important he was in my life. Uh, and what he did, the sacrifices he made for me. So I felt obligated to try and help him the best I could, you know, learn about the game. You mentioned Aisha Morrison, you know, um, Derek Eagleton, when we were kind of talking about the lineup for the draft show, 
I asked Derek Eagleton, I said, hey, listen, I, it's this young lady you got on, you know, Girls Talk, Boys Talk, this Aisha Morrison, I really do like what I hear from her. I think she's got some, I think she's got a good eye for this stuff. And he said, what are you thinking about? I said, draft show. And he goes, you really, you want to put her on draft show? I said, absolutely, I want to put her on the draft show. I think she'd be great. Well, you know, we got Aisha Morrison involved with our, you know, our, our film, our college film chain, and and she was able to evaluate. I thought she did a hell of a job on the draft show. Yes, we had did. like record numbers. We had record numbers. And you know, the the thing that people have got to realize is, is being the first female ever to be on the draft show, extensively. You know, as part of the scouting group. Uh, you know, it's great pressure on her. You know, and I but I knew from her military background. I knew from her ability to, to be dedicated, to study, to train, that she was going to do just fine. And she, she looked at players. She had an opinion. She didn't back down. There were people that weren't happy she's there. She put that aside. She, you know, the people that were happy she was there, she thanked them and moved on. I think she learned so much. And we learned so much from her. Yeah. We really did, you know. Jeff Cavanaugh, you know, I don't work with Jeff anymore on the radio side. He's on a, a rival station, but still great friends with Jeff. Kevin Turner, Dane Brugler. I mean, Dane Brugler, Dane, I remember yeah. Dane Brugler was, you know, Dane Brugler was one of the original members of the draft show. You know, we, Dane was just starting out as a, you know, starting out as a guy that was interested in the draft. He was doing it kind of as a side job, you know, and now he's a full-time, he's one of the best you know, best media drafters in, in, the, in the country. You know, he's one of the most respected guys, but he got his start there. These, these people all came into my life for a reason, and, but they all made me better. It wasn't me always making them better. These guys made me better, you know, with their, the passion they had for it. And, again, I, I just really appreciate all the guys and gals like yourself that do this and, and, and bring content, you know, I mean, we, we all see this differently. You know, yeah. we all don't always see the same thing. We all don't get along all the time, but we do, we do try and do the best we can with what we, what we have. And I, the, the effort that these, these guys and gals make to bring content is, is worth my, my help any way I can. That, that's just how I look at it. That, that yeah. is, that is, Awesome to hear, and I'm very appreciative to hear that and humbled uh, coming from the great Brian Broadus. My guy Oscar said, if there was a, a media ring of honor, you should be in it, and I 100% agree with that. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, like I said, it's, uh, there's th- these, these, these guys and gals that I work with are just tremendous people, number one, but they, the, the passion that they bring, the passion that they bring to the, you know, to the, to the, 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 the sites, and the podcast and the writing and all that stuff, you know, we can all learn. I mean, I learn. I, I'm not sitting there. I mean, I like I say, I, I am so grateful to have interaction with the Aisha Morrisons and the David Hellmans and the Jeff Cavanaugh's and the Kevin Turners and the Dan Burglers and all these people, you know, the Zach Wolchuk, Kyle Yeomans, all these guys and gals that I've worked with have been just outstanding. They really have. Well, I'll tell you this. I hope we don't have to hear that draft theme music until February 21st or something crazy, Brian, because that would mean yeah. the Cowboys are doing fantastic things in the playoffs, B. So yeah. here's to a great season, and here's to not hearing that theme music for a long, long time. All right? 
Yeah, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you what, Sky. I, I do have to start working on the draft on December first just to make sure I get all my names gotcha. in. But yeah, I'm with you. If we don't, if if the draft show can go a little later this year, sure. that would be awesome. It really be would great, be. Man. Once again, Brian Broad is 105 through the fan, former Cowboy Scout, joining us. Thank you so much, Brian. I'll let you go. I know you got to get ready to head down to practice and give us – well, actually, there's no practice today. But get some rest. Go have some fun with the guys. Rest up, and then tomorrow you'll get back out there. Sounds great, Sky. Thanks for, so much for having me, and thanks for all your uh, listeners that hang out with us. If I could throw a plug out there for Absolutely. Love of the Star. If you haven't checked out Bobby and I's Love of the Star – uh, we'd love to have you. It's a, you can find it on all the Odyssey podcast. I think all those platforms were on all those things. So, yeah, Bobby and I do it twice a week. When the season starts, we'll go three times a week on Love of the Stars. So, hopefully some good content. After you get done listening to your show, you can listen to a little Love of the Star. How about that? If you're not listening to that, you are missing out. There are so many quality nuggets there. So, Love of the Star, Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the app. You're missing out, guys. you got to definitely download that. Thanks, guy. Appreciate you, man. Take care of yourself. You as well. Thank you again, B. That is Brian Broadus, 105 through the fan, former Cowboy Scout. Man. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What an interview. There is a lot to unpack in that one Cowboys Nation. Uh, Look, I know we got time today, right? There's no practice. There might be some um, press conferences or whatnot. But that's something we'll definitely probably unpack throughout the week. Maybe we'll talk about a little bit what he what he said uh, today on the show. But I got a few more things I want to get to. Obviously, I want to talk to you guys, opening up the lines here. But that was one of the best ones that I've done in a long time. You know, a long, long time. It, it was just it's Brian, right? So he has the 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 stories and the knowledge to kind of peel back and give you from being inside that star at Valley Ranch or. Wichita Falls, San Antonio, whatever, and then relay it and and bring it to the present with what he's seeing out there and um, just a whole lot, man. That that was a good one, you know. Me, I always listen to my shows. I always go back and listen and critique myself and try to be better. But I'm I'm going back and listening as a fan. I'm just gonna shut up and just listen, you know, because it was good stuff. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick little break just to kind of reset here. We're gonna come out the break and we were talking about. The red zone, I, I want to get to a play in the red zone that kind of goes back to well, last week when we were talking about the slant flat situation. I kind of want to take a look at a play real quick, and then we'll hit the phone lines, and we'll continue this show. We, we, we could go on for about another 20, 25 more minutes, and usually that means we'll probably go on for much longer. But we'll try to be respectful to your guys' time today on hump day. So let me go ahead, hit the music real quick, take a quick little drink, and be right back. You're listening to A to Z Sports. Do it live! At some point, hoping to broadcast in front of the millions of Cowboys fans to bring you the real. But for now, strap up and here's your host, Skywalker Steel. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. We'll do it live. How's it going? That was a good one. I knew it would be, though. I mean, if you so there's a lot of people who are new here. And shout out to all 700-something of y'all that are in the building. Do me a favor. Hit the like button if you enjoyed that interview. This isn't the first time I, you know, we've had him on the show. And every time he comes on the show, man, it's, it's always, always really good stuff. And that's anywhere, really, where, where B goes. He, he, he provides quality 
information and analysis. So before that break, I, I talked about how I wanted to take a look at a specific play that went down yesterday. If you guys can't tell, I'm really damn excited about the different concepts uh, centered around the Cowboys offense right now. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit nerdy here, but it is what it is, man. It's these small things that can make a big difference. We talked a whole lot about different variations of the the slant flat. And I saw one yesterday. Cowboys I saw one. So we're going to jump into this film room right quick. Shouts out to my guy, Law Nation, down there. Every year, man, Law does fantastic work at camp. If you're not on his channel taking a look at these live streams, you're, you're missing out. All right, you're missing out on some, some quality stuff there. He's down there with the GOAT, Shango, and he caught this play. And I said, ooh-wee, we were talking about this. Now, here's where I want you to look at. This two-by-three combination, very familiar from what we saw in our slant flat presentation the other day. I'm going to let the play run and we're going to run it back. Just watch to the left here. To the left, to the left. It's not just a slant flat, but it's a slant wheel for six. Now, there's a whole lot here. I'm going to talk about that play side and I'm going to talk about not on the play side, what I like there. The reason why I love this, I said it the other day, is because there's so many different variations you can run off of this. And this one isn't your traditional slant flat. It's the slant with the wheel behind it. Um, and usually what you got to try to do is avoid a pass interference. Sometimes it might get caught. So what? The Patriots lived off of this type of stuff because they made you have to call the flag if there was a pass interference. So you're going to get the slant by Michael Gallup. It creates the natural rub. They're beat. You can't. Okay, you can't see it. They're beat already. This is, this is easy money right here because he's going to have to go through Michael Gallup or go around him. You try to go through. Gets the leverage and a dot, a dime, whatever you want to call it, bread basket by Dak Prescott. What also makes this play so fun is not play side. But if in case this is defended really well, take a look at the, the three side, right? You got at snap motion, Brandon Cooks at the snap. You're going to get three different route combinations that can attack either way your defense tries to attack this combo. So you got 34 in the flat, Malik Davis, right here. You're going to have, I think this is Hendershot, one of the tight ends, doing kind of a whip situation. And you've got Brandon Cooks on the slant, which that could have threw it to Brandon Cooks on the slant. But here's what's so dope about this if we take it back a little bit. If 27, which is J. Ron Curse, stays on the tight end here, you got an easy dump off to Malik Davis. If 27 wants to play his zone, it's two guys in that area. And what Peyton Hendershot, I think that's who that is. What he creates is this guy in the middle. I think it was, oh, he's over here now. It was Leighton Van Der Esch. If Leighton Van Der Esch stays on Peyton Hendershot in the middle of his area, you'll just have Brandon Cooks run right behind him. Instead, he tries to beat knowing that, damn, my guy is beat back there. <laughs> he tries to chase C.D. Lamb, and that leaves the middle wide open. So this simple concept created so many different looks and open looks for the quarterback. Nothing crazy or fancy about it, but it is unique in the sense of what we've seen in the past where it's a lot of static routes. By the way, Cowboys Nation, by the way, 
Brian Broaddus admitted that. Not admitted. Brian Broaddus talked about everything we've been talking about when it comes to static routes and whatnot. And he noticed what I thought I've been noticing out there without being out there. A lot more horizontal things, a lot more uh, picks, a lot more options in the sense of not option routes, but there are easy buttons. There are easy options to get to without putting so much on a wide receiver's plate and the quarterback's plate. They can get, look, somebody said this. I was reading, I think on BTB. Oh, the fact that we got to dumb down the offense for, it ain't about dumbing down the offense, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody else also said, well, if you don't got to read the DB, then that can mean easy interceptions. No, you are still reading the defense, but it's easier to read because each route has a purpose. Each route has a timing to come back to that isn't running into each other. How many times did we do tape Tuesday and we're like, why is Dalton Schultz and CeeDee Lamb in the same area? At the same time. Not like, a this is one, two, three, and I'm breaking on four, and then CD's breaking on two, and now they're, they're in different areas. No. One, two, three, both of them in the same area. There was no rhyme or reason to it. There, there was no family built off of it. I, I just felt like I needed to point this play out because we're going to see more of it. And you can say, well, that's an easy play to stop. Is it? I watched Aaron Rodgers. Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams absolutely destroy teams week in, week out with that concept. With that concept. And we saw a few of those plays. Wasn't nothing crazy. And Dak ran a few of them and dotted them up. He had Cooks on a couple touchdowns down there. CeeDee Lamb on a couple touchdowns down there. So this type of stuff excites me, man. We've got the skill. CeeDee Lamb's going to make fantastic, crazy catches. We've seen it. Cooks is Cooks, Right? We, we've seen him do his thing. We've seen Michael Gallup make some crazy catch. We know they can do these things. But can you put your guys in position to excel? Law Nation had a fantastic quote about uh, something similar to this. He said, because <laughs> I think somebody said, well, the coaches can't go out there and, and run the place. They're not throwing the ball, catching the ball. Facts. Law was like, but if I draw up a play for Shaquille O'Neal to shoot a three, and he misses, you mad at Shaq? Are you mad at the coach? Now, that's a, that's an extreme, but I, I I feel what he's saying. Like, yeah, these guys got to obviously execute, but it is the coach's job to put you in a better position to do so, making it life easier to do so. Let everybody else think that that's some handicap. It's not. Coaching matters, man, and I'm excited to see some of these philosophies be executed out there on the field. All right, my guy, A-A-Ron, been trying to get up in here. And I feel bad because you, you called in first, but you know I had to get to, get to B, right? You just know I had to get to B, A-A-Ron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, Brian's the best. I think we've all learned so much about football listening to Brian Brown for the last oh, 10 100%. years. Oh, 100%. I mean, we can all. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, and I knew how great, like, obviously I love the show and how great Brian is. He. You guys covered almost literally everything that I was thinking about. So it was like, oh, man, I'm going to get everything taken, but it's worth it. So. Yeah, shit. But, if hey, you get um, it taken Scott, by Brian, yeah, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you feel good. You're like, oh, my gosh, the goat just said what I was thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing the thing that you said about, you know, instead of just watching individual players, but look at the concepts that they're running. Yes. Guy, and, and um, like you said, so – 
the static routes that we used to run in Coriel system, like the stuff that Kellen Moore and um, was it Scott Linehan used to love, yep. those were for spot drop zones, which means like the defense, if I'm a curl flat, I jump to the zone and I stand there, right? But that, that sort of defense doesn't really exist anymore. Like now it's all cover one, cover two, and then there's match. Everybody's matched. So you have to run into a zone, take someone out of their zone once they match, and then replace it with another receiver. And those are concepts that we didn't run. So we yesterday I saw match, which is we've seen since practice one, which is the two drags running towards each other. Then we have smash, which is the um, where they run that corner. Oh, I love smash. That, you know, like Brandon Cook. Yeah. So the the outside receiver runs like a quick hitch. Sometimes they run an in, but it takes it's almost like a natural pick. And then the slot receiver runs the corner to the you know to the um to the corner pylon. And then after that, we got that beautiful Brandon Cook and CD Lamb catch. And then we had flood, which was the one where you know CD Lamb caught that pass and, like over two people. And again, you have like a flat, and then you have a deeper, you know, corner, and then we had motion drive. So like, they're using concepts that I've never seen the Cowboys use, and I cannot tell you how excited I am. Yeah, because I mean, it felt I, like those didn't live in the the Air Coriel, you know, remix version of it with uh, with uh, uh, Kellen Moore. I almost forgot his name. Now I get it; he wasn't quite literal. He wasn't running the literal version of the offense that we saw under um, was it Garrett and Scott Linehan. But there were still principles from it, right? And, and he would do different things like, you know, empties, and he would do some bunch things and whatnot, but not at a consistent level. But there never was a family, right? And then trying to mesh two different right. concepts like that, that's where you got the philosophical differences. There won't be any of that. There's a family of these plays to build off of that should make it easier. Now, look, I don't want people to think this is going to be perfect. You know, no offense is perfect. No quarterback is perfect. You'll get interceptions. You'll, you'll have games where they need to be better. But I think they'll be put in, in better position for this offense to be efficient and for this offense to be better when it matters the most, I think. Yeah, I mean, and, and saying, Brian, saying that they're doing a lot more bunch, if, so, if a team goes to bunch, you can't play man coverage. Like, it's, it's, you have to throw it out the window. So Dak will know that a certain zone is coming. And he reads zone defense pretty dang well now. Like, he's improved pretty oh, tremendously. Kilt Philly so like, just, when they drop back in zone. Yeah, exactly, and, like, that was something I think he struggled with two years ago, maybe three years ago. You know, he was always the blitz beater type of quarterback, but he's improved there. And so, but if you eliminate a certain a couple, couple of coverages that a, a defense can run, you know, you're already winning, and Dak is not an idiot. So, it's, no. you know, like, I just hearing that stuff is like music to my ears. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man, right there with you. And another thing I think, and again, it's just training camp. I don't know if he'll, how much he'll do this in the season, but he did mention there will be more opportunities to, you know, scramble, run, and get down. And you saw a lot of that. And you're going to see that in camp because you're going against the, one of the best defenses in the world, Craig. And you'll see Dak just say, you know what, I'm going to tuck it and go. And you'll get some yards. And, and obviously in a game, hopefully, he gets down. And I think he's getting smarter with that. Like He understands, all right, playoffs, I'm diving, I'm jumping, I'm, I'm trying to get this done, but not playoffs. Let me go ahead and slide, get these eight yards, and live to fight another day. Right. And then what do we see? He looks to the left. They run their little curl flat. It's not there. He bails out the pocket. But guess what? The routes from the other side of the, of yes. the field are coming across because they're running They're running drive or they're running, you know, levels. They're running it's things that are on the move. Or, yeah. 
Right. And instead of running, you know, um, hitches where everybody has stopped and then they got to start moving again, that just benefits the defense. You know, like you can just mirror what the receiver's doing. So, yeah. anyway, I was super hype about that. I do have one question, though, because I've seen you on, on Twitter talking about this and we kind of went back and forth. Okay. The LVE rushing thing. Oh, boy. So I think I seen you get a little like worried about it, but I, I honestly I think like it's it. just trying to make him a better blitzer. So did you, Marino, I'll like go ahead, go ahead. I, I don't. So when we were talking about this, was it you talking about we were talking about sugar and the a gaps and then you know blitzing from the a gaps? Yeah, it, yeah, that, it, that was me. Yes, yeah, so it, it reminds me of uh, the Sean Lee days. I, I don't know how many people have been around when I was talking about Sean Lee, you know, blitzing from the a gap. I always thought it was just a waste. Because he's not right. Micah in that sense, but I get it. You know, sometimes your job is to just disrupt that gap or disrupt that guard or center so that a guy can loop around. I don't mind that. That's kind of natural for a guy like LVE because he's not a pass rusher. But the reason why I get concerned when I keep hearing about him working on pass rush moves and trying to do things from the edge is because he was not good at it last year or the year before. He did it in 2021 as well. And I don't know that you could just change a tiger stripes in three months just because he's out there trying to learn pass rush moves. And if he's going to really get a, a decent percent of rushes from the end, I would much rather give that to Clark. I'd much rather give that to Demo. I'd much rather give that to somebody else and let Leighton Vanderesh kind of focus on man in the middle of the field because he does a fantastic job in zone in that way. So look, I, I'm, I'm, I said this on Twitter. I'll watch with my eyes closed and, and, and one finger open and, and be a little nervous about it, you know, and I'm going to support Dan Quinn and Dan Quinn. We trust, but I'm not going to fake the funk. You know that a, a Ron, I, I don't like to see, right, right, right. I don't like to see a, a, a down wasted where LVE is rushing against Trent Williams or somebody. And Micah Parsons is dropping back, you know? No. Right. I, I think it's more, like we need to say, when you sugar the a gap like that, it's a play we we saw a few. We didn't see it last year. We saw it the year before a lot, where Micah would rush right over the you know right over the center. Is where you, when you do that, you have six ruckers, and you can send all six or you can drop one back because then you still have five ruckers, which gives you the five zero protection. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get one on one. You know, get Micah free or get one on one. So I, I honestly think it's just, hey man. He's going to be out there. We line up in that, you know, six, six man across the sugar and the A gap. We don't want to have anybody wasted. So it's like the, um, on the offense, if Tony Pollard's in, they used to say, well, it's going to be a pass play. You know, it, now it's, hey, you line up um, LVE where he's at. You don't know if he's coming or if he's but, but back. My so problem is if he comes, at it. who's, who's worried right. about that? That's my problem. Even if you trick trick the, the offensive line you ain't tricking the tackle blocking lve because lve is not a pass rusher that's that's my point if you want to put if lve is going to be part of a game where lve is just bulldozing somebody's tackle or guard so somebody can loop around fine right but if lve is rushing upfield to to try to get to the quarterback waste of a play i don't want to see it i want that out the playbook because he ain't that guy pal give that to demone clark or give that to you know demo you want to play games with lve Cool with me, but the fact that they're working on pass rushes like this does it does it come off to you like they're that's games that comes off to me like they're trying to actually use him, you know, in some edge rushing situations. And me personally, I'm not for it. Now I will be more than happy 
to come on here and be like, oh, my goodness, LVE is turned into a six-sack guy because he's out there beating these tackles' ass. I would love it. But I don't see that happening right now here in August is where I'm getting at. No, no, I, I feel it. I just, I just, that's what I thought it was more of them trying to make it so it's not a weakness. You know what I mean? Instead of using it as something that every day, every down. Look, day, not a, so. if, if his weakness is a, a pass rusher, uh, okay. I mean, I'm not going to rush. I, I'm not rushing. Uh, me personally, I'm not rushing LVE, so I can care less about that weakness. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah, know. I get it. I, get it. I, I don't know if Luke Keekley was a fantastic pass rusher, but guess what? I don't care because I'm going to put Luke Keekley in the <laughs> positions to right. be the Sean Lee. Perfect example. Sean Lee is not a good pass rusher. Exactly. Why am I going to waste time trying to make him into a pass rusher when I know he's an all pro when he's healthy at the linebacker position? So, you know, that's all I'm saying. I think LVE has his strengths. Yeah. Focus on those strengths. It's year seven for LVE or whatever it is. You know, his stripes ain't changing, bro. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, so I have one last question, and then I'll get off. I know I took a lot of time. No, that's has, cool. Has that's Austin cool. Richards tough. been playing? Has Austin Richards been playing out there? I haven't heard anything about him or so seen I try, him or anything. I tried to. I tried to get B to kind of talk about some of these backup guys. He, he, you know, the fact that none of them popped in his head maybe could be something that you know worth noting. But I did see. Yeah. Uh, was it McCool on? Um, uh, Locked On Podcast, a uh, host of Locked On Podcast. He yeah, mentioned that. Guy. Yeah, check him out on Twitter. He mentioned that Awesome. He thought Awesome was doing some good things with the third team and whatnot. And he was like, hey, man, I think it's about time to start seeing him with the second team because, as we know right now, this guard position is not looking great. So, you know, throw yeah, him in there, see, see what he can do, and uh, and pray that Zach Martin comes back. I appreciate this guy. Keep digging, bro. We yep. love it. we love the show, man. I'm gonna keep digging. You know what? When you said that, keep digging. I thought you meant keep grinding. But now you, I hear you say keep digging. I'm gonna have to get one of those memes. You remember um, who was a nose tackle for uh, for Green Bay back in the day? Uh, Gilbert. Gilbert. They called Gilbert. him the Grave Digger, oh. and his and his his celebration grave was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to get that meme, bro. Appreciate you, Aaron. Yes, sir. All right, peace out. Yeah, I mean this this uh, LVE thing is pass rusher is real because he was working with Aiden Durday. He we got teased with it in camp. I prefer not to see it. I I don't think LVE is going to magically turn into a pass rusher. But if he's a guy that they want to get better at attacking from a game standpoint, fine by me. Because Dan Quinn is a mad scientist. He's going to run games uh, mostly on passing downs, right? So, like Aaron said, if you kind of want to throw them off on a third and eight or whatever, and you got LVE in there as your lone linebacker, then maybe is he going to blitz? Is he going to run a game? Is he going to drop back? But if it's like LV in there and he rushing against Lane Johnson, Jordan Maliata, it'll be embarrassing, you know? It'll be embarrassing, man. All right. We got A.A. Ron, and we'll get Marcus, and we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Two good calls to get to. What's up, Marcus? Bring them to hey, me. Sir. What's good, bro? What's good, my friend? What's good? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Did you see I tried to sneak in that that question that you gave me yesterday? I tried to sneak you know it in. You know, what, what, what was the, what was the I'm, thing I'm, behind behind uh, uh, Mike McCarthy and Kelly Moore? Yeah, I tried to sneak it in there respectfully. I, yeah, yeah, Broadus, Broadus is the best, man. Broadus is the best. He's gonna, he's gonna be a pro. 
no matter what you do. But hey, man, you, that's what you got to do when you get to be that big boy media. I know you ain't scared to ask. So when, once, once, once you climb up there, man, and you really be in their face, I just want you to get to practice. Asking them the tough, the tough questions. I know you'll do. <laughs> hey, look, man. I say it all the time. I'll probably be the first one to get kicked out. Now, the thing about McCarthy, though, <laughs> here's what I love about uh-huh. about Mike. Mike will talk ball with you. Mike, Mike will answer the questions yeah. for you. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I love that about Mike McCarthy too. Uh, again, I've learned more in in two press conferences than dad in in about 15 years of watching everybody else wander around here trying to be some kind of secret agent, trying to act like they keep themselves so close to the They couldn't tell you anything because they wasn't doing anything when they had music. Yeah. Uh, anyway, man. <laughs> anyway, man, hey, uh, I'm, I'm loving the competition. You know, everybody kind of made a big deal about, you know, that back and forth with Dak and, and uh, Trayvon Diggs and stuff like that. And again, to me, you can't have it both ways. You can't say we got a top tier defense and secondary, which we did. And that lights it up. And all of a sudden that secondary is trash. Or if they happen to make a play against that, then that fair. That's not the point. The point is that, hey, look, man, if that secondary, and we have evidence over the last two or three seasons, how good that secondary is and how much better it got, just add you step on this. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't separate those two. That, that again, that shows people's Either lack of knowledge or bias or stuff like that against against that, and, and he's just gonna eat. He's gonna eat people's lunch. Yeah, well, I can't believe that 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 we've actually you know done more to handicap that as, as an organization than, than we've done to elevate him. He's elevated a lot of people. I've said that myself many times. He made a lot of people. And to be fair, than, uh, not, not just uh-huh. handicapped Dak, handicapped a, a lot of the other players as well. I, I mean, look, yeah. man, Amari mm-hmm. Cooper had to, had to publicly, in the most polite way, call out <laughs> the damn play caller because he felt handicapped. Right. You know what I'm saying? Hey, yeah, yeah, we, yeah we got we got covered two beaters. We ain't calling them flat out. That's what he said to me. <laughs> we ain't calling them. So you know, he's not just handicapping the Q. He's hand, you know you could argue he was handicapping the run game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. And you would, I would have expected you know a little bit better, you know. But what I, one thing I, I really did want to say was you know I, I, Kurt Warner kind of you know had a little side hustle you know, over the summer you know break it down <laughs> uh, back in the office. <laughs> <laughs> man, 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 you know, Kurt Warner was Yo, putting out a video seemed like it was 15 facts, minutes, wasn't though. he? Facts, that is Look, this is how I know, bro. He's, he did uh, breaking down Dak Prescott's uh, interceptions, yeah. part one. Yeah. Part one. Yeah, part oh, one. oh, because you know you're finna go crazy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bust this thing down and do part two. Fam, you could have did part one and two with Josh Allen. You could have did part one and two with every other quarterback. We're going to do part one and yeah. two with that because I know. So, yeah, it was a little bit of silence yeah. with the QB school thing. Or not QB school. I forget what he called it. But, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Man, that was wild. The thing I, I always took from, from what Warner and then later he got his old coach in on it, Mike Mark. Yeah, uh, the thing I understood, the thing I paid attention to the most when they were talking about Back, you know, in particular, in the offense in general, that was their offense basically that they were running back in the '99, well, in '99, 2000, when they were the greatest on turf. Uh, so it made sense for me 
to, to listen to Kurt Warner break down things about how that Fact. offense was running and things that he would do, you know, in that situation. And it always struck me odd that uh, Kurt Warner, and Kurt was a different player than Dak in a lot of ways, and not necessarily better, but he was certainly different. Uh, it, it was just interesting watching and listening to uh, Warner break down where the where, where certain off ramps were in the play. Because that's what he was focusing on. Because he, he, he had said once or twice that he knew Dak was better than some of this stuff was going on. Now, now about 60, 70% of the time, he said it was, it was the play calling. It, 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 it was either a bad play, bad route concept, or he or he probably say, I don't know what the hell's going on. Right? And I always took that to mean, in, in a broader sense, that Dak just was not being helped at all by what was going on. And it, 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 it was just odd to hear somebody that actually knows what that offense, at least that, that variation of that, of that call your offense was and what it looks like. And, and the way you were talking about having outs to take and, 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 or, or places to go with the football if you didn't have your, you know, your, your main thing there. So it was just, it's just amazing to watch people that, had, I'm, like I said, Kurt Warner, they were running that 20 years ago. And it's, it's just wild that, that we have been so far behind in terms of offensive concepts that a guy can be on the video and seems like he knows more about your offense than the coordinator does. So it's it just, I you mean, know, just being a more modern offense. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, go be, ahead. Fair, I'll be fair to Kellen. He's young. And, and, and another, yeah, exactly. another fantastic law point. You know, how, how many mm-hmm. franchises went ahead and said, we're going to roll with an inexperienced head coach and play caller and whomever and Jason Garrett, right? Or let's just say head coach because that's right. what, and Jason Garrett. And then turn mm-hmm. turn around, hand over those keys to an inexperienced Kellen Moore in, in a 10-year in a yeah, period. There's not too many – and when I say inexperienced, y'all, I, I mean one retired, mm-hmm. was a quarterback coach for a year, immediately became the play caller. Two years in, the whole we know there's a, there's a conspiracy about sabotaging. The whole sabotage thing mm-hmm. became the head coach. Then the next phase, right. one year, one guy retired, became the, a quarterback's coach. The next year, play caller. No experience coaching or play calling. How how many franchises are just doing that, you know, back-to-back in that sense? So that's another reason you can say, and this is the, this goes back to T, Tony Romo, not just Dak, because there's going to be people right. that say, oh, I don't care, Dak Prescott sucks. Throw Dak out the equation. Yeah, right. and, and, and go look at go look at what happened with Tony, you know? So... I don't know how many uh, yeah, organizations yeah. do that. He's inexperienced. He 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 had four years to learn, and, and I wish him well over there in in mm-hmm. San Diego slash L.A. wherever they are now. Uh, and hopefully, mm-hmm. he learns from his mistakes <laughs> and he continues to get better. But that's what happens when you kind of mm-hmm. got a you got a franchise quarterback. You you got quality pieces and parts, and we give this Ferrari in a sense is what a lot of people say to a guy that's never driven it before. Right, right. But again, you have to understand that you have a Ferrari. That's a lot of that that stuff to me again is 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 in a large part is Jerry thinking, hey, you just throw all the stuff in the same pot and then you got yourself a stew. And that'll make you a chef because you you know, you you, you putting all kinds of stuff in the pot trying to boil yeah. it together. You know, you you're gonna mismatch coaches staff, you're gonna just get a whole bunch of players again. Jerry, the less he had to do with the team building, the better the the Cowboys would be. So uh no, I just can't wait for this season. Yeah, I, I can't wait for this season to start because, I, I, I like I said yesterday, you and Brock, man, Dak couldn't light people up. And, and, and just think, he was playing, you know, with one hand tied behind his back a lot of times offensively. 
and he was still giving people the business most of the time. Boy, he's gonna eat some people lunch. We on the up, I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. So, so let me let, let me let me let you get get to other people, man. But hey, I love the show. I'm gonna go back and listen to Bronx again, man. And, and you and you and him had a great conversation, and uh, I'm just I'm just real thrilled for you, uh, personally. Just you know, these are strides you're making, and and these contacts that you got with these people, Thank and you. and the show that you're running, man. So hey, uh, continued success to you, my friend. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. Yes, sir. Thank you, Marcus. That is our guy, Marcus, calling in once again, man. Hey, that was, like I said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen my damn self. Uh, one of my favorite ones we've done. Talked a lot of ball, talked about, uh, you know, Zach. If you missed the beginning of the show, um, we talked about the red zone stuff. We parlayed that into the conversation with Brian Broadus, and he talked about how they were fantastic down there. The defense had no answer, and I said, hey, look, don't be surprised. This is Mike McCarthy ain't new to this. He's true to this. He's been a really damn good red zone guy as a head coach, as a play caller, whatever you want to call it. So don't be surprised if Dallas continues that red zone success. Uh, we just want to see it translate once you have to play one of them one type of defenses in the playoffs, right? Really talk about San Fran. <laughs> Let's just be real. All right. Um, let me get to some of these super chats. Y'all were very generous today. Appreciate it. I've been generous this, generous this whole week. And um, I think what I'm going to be doing is, is from the, was it Monday when I announced that to you guys about the whole super PC thing from there until shout out to who, I don't know who it was. I got to go back into my Twitter who gave me a place to go check out this, this computer store. I'm going to go check them out, see if they can build me one, get a, get a quote from, from them and whatnot. But from that time till we figure out what the goal is, we're going to try to take this, these super chats and apply it to it. So you guys know, you know, these super chats are going to, they're always going to go to improving this channel. It just can go in different ways, but to specifically improve this show and this whole setup. So I appreciate uh, what y'all been doing, man. Brother L dropped one, actually smoked one for you. Super chat. He dropped one earlier. He said, and the CC are correct. Are corrected again. Green Bay GB was Kellen Moore demise. Smoke one for you. You got to let me know with CC and GB. I'm thinking Green Bay. Uh, was Kellen Green Bay? Okay. Okay. Green Bay was Kellen Moore's demise. I think this was when we had Brian Broadus on, and he was saying that was the game. Yeah. That that was the game because you just saw how exhausted McCarthy was from putting so much into that game. He put so much into it for it to kind of get 14-point lead and it's gone, right? And the 14-point lead wasn't before the interceptions. It was after. You know, the Cowboys had a 14-point lead, and you get one stop, I think, on defense, and it's, it's all she wrote. But it didn't happen and went back and forth. We couldn't finish it off at the end. Once again, finish. If we go back to that play that we broke down at the end, what were we saying? Like, what is this? What is this combination? Why is CD Lamb, you know, and, and oh, not CD Lamb, it was Michael Gallup and uh, Dalton. So why are we in the same area? Or it was just a strange play call in a must-have moment. And they didn't call the flag. It is what it is. But I, I didn't like the call in general. But it happens, man. Brother L. Super chat. My guy. He said... Sky, you're giving Brian his flowers, and what did he do? Turned it around, 
and gave you flowers right back. Hashtag class act. Hashtag leadership. He 100 uh, percent has always been a class act when he's come on his show. And not just this one, but all of the, the content community. Uh, when he's been a guest on the shows, man, he, he he's always been great. He's given us our flowers. And that's how I know we have arrived when, when Brian is like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to come on the show because I know y'all put that work in. Tacoma John, thank you. Super chat. Drop two and says, Sky always bringing in the talent. Thank you, brother. Uh, and Dwayne Brown dropped 10 and said, Super chat. Great interview. I, I appreciate that. Won't be the last. I'm going to continue to try to build these relationships with these people so that they know to come rap to me and the bomb squad about what's happening with our Cowboys. Uh, Delay702. Super chat. Drop five and said, Hey, Sky. He says, Shy, but I think he means Sky. Hey, Sky, can't, just came in. Do you think that was a dog move by TD calling their QB a B? That Oh, okay. Okay, so he's talking about the Trayvon Diggs. Do I think it was a dog move? Do you mean like that's a dog? So look, man, I'm not sure delay. I'm not sure whomever's out there. If you've been in this type of heated competition, if you've played sports, you've said some things. Would I have liked him to not say that? Sure. But I am not going to be a hypocrite. I quite literally almost fought my uncle who was a coach at the time because I said some crazy things to him in the heat of the moment of him trying to make me better, right? So you say some things like that. Dak and Trayvon are tight. There, there's a picture of them, arms wrapped around each other, laughing. That's competition, okay? That's the heat of the battle. I, I get it. It is easy fodder for the low-hanging fruit, eagle content creators and fans and whatnot that want to have fun with it. Go ahead, man. But over here, we talk ball. We talk ball. That that does not bother me, and nor should it bother you. Those boys probably were playing laundry basketball in the locker room after it was over. So don't, don't sweat that, man. Leave the coloring book crayon fluff to the coloring book crayon people. Because if you've played in any heated competition, you've said some things you probably would like to have back. But it's like, hey, dog, you know, it happens. Fortunately, it didn't turn into fisticuffs. In fact, look, we've seen fights on the field. Flat out fights. Stupid to do it. And everything's good to go afterwards. So I ain't tripping about no words, man. And then Smoke One dropped another one. Super chat. He said, dink and dunk. Dak 2016 back. Yes, sir. Yak City bars per se. Here's the thing about the whole dink and dunk thing. There is going to be elements, and I hate to call it, because when I think of dink and dunk, I don't think of horizontal routes. I don't think of concepts that have something stacked to it where you can get a deep shot, right? I think of, hey, I'm just going to dunk it off to the to the running back. I'm going to dink it to the tight end on a curl. I'm going to dink it to the to the wide receiver on a curl, on a hitch, on some static stuff. That feels dink and dunk to me. This is going to be more of managing the game, but within managing this game, there's going to be shots. The shot might not always be the 20-yarder downfield. It might not always be the sluggo. The shot might be just like what we saw in the red zone where you had that concept on the other side with a flat and you had a whip and then you had um, cooks on motion and hit a slant. 
that slant might be the shot because that's Brandon Cooks. So if he gets that middle of the field wide open and he gets the rock, that might be gone. So if people want to laugh and key key at the offense shifting from, I shouldn't say shifting. I hate to use that word shifting because they're going to take shots. You know, Brandon Cooks, they're going to take shots down the field. Um, but shifting from static routes to more horizontal as they want to laugh and call it dink and dunk. All right. I'm going to dink and dunk your ass all the way into the touchdown with Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb and these guys. So let them do it. Let them think that that this new shift in the offense is, is a, an issue. And I'll leave it at that. That's the final one, man. Wow, really good stuff. Appreciate y'all. Oh, no, no. Brother L just dropped one. Super chat. He said, uh, you and Vach consider getting a Twitter slash X check mark? Thought about it. Only, and here's the only reason why I thought about it. Because you can post longer things. And I'm going to be real with y'all. I, I, I hate having to. I don't even want to pay for this. I don't. But once we get into the season, I'm going to be. Tr- I'm trying to improve in my just Twitter. I don't really do Instagram or Facebook. But I'm trying to improve in my... The way I use Twitter, you know, like I understand where we are right now in this whole social media world and this content thing. And there's a lot of times I I got a lot I want to say kind of put out there, but you're kind of restricted with the characters. I'm restricted with the videos. I can't even put more than two minute damn videos on Twitter uh, because of that whole situation. So I've been given the consideration, but I don't man, I hate that he changed his thing from Twitter to X and uh, trying to profit off of us doing it. It's just corny to me i earned that damn check mark that i got i ain't trying to really pay for it but i might have to man i might have to toxic said it's a business write-off you know what you might be right you might be right all right with that said y'all we're gonna go ahead and wrap this thing up look i knew training camp we were gonna have great shows and long shows and i love it uh, tomorrow, no practice today. So tomorrow we'll talk to Pat, Patrick Nosey Walker, DallasCowboys.com about all the things he's seeing boots on the ground down there. He's been dropping some fantastic articles. You want to talk about Twitter, go follow Pat's Twitter. He's got a lot that he drops uh, during these training camp sessions. We'll get him on the show. We'll have the scientific method. We'll continue to talk about what went down over the last two days in uh, padded practices Maybe shift towards the defense here. And uh, just, look, try to keep giving you all this great, great content. Hit the like button on your way out, if you will. And then later today, me and Vach going to continue to break down practice number two. What I love about Vach's show is that it comes on, like, right when practice is over. So we can, we got raw emotions, but now we can kind of break it down a bit. There's been some interviews that have come out. The Michael Gallup one is really good. Um, Brian talked about that one. There's been, I think, Diggs sat down and talked uh, to 105.3. Dan Quinn was on this morning. He, you know, he brought up some things, so we'll probably mention some of that stuff today. So make sure y'all come through. Vash Lombardi Live about 3.15. I'm just be real. About, three, about 3.15 we'll be on. And then uh, Mo will be on today. A to Z Sports primetime later tonight. He's continuing to kill it there. And make sure y'all hit up A to Z Sports Dallas.com for all of your Cowboys articles to keep up with our boys. All right. Good stuff today. Good stuff. Please, if you missed it, 
hashtag run that thing back. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. I can't, you know what, Brother L, I can't use that for the podcast name. I feel like LA Knight will come for me. Shots out to Kane. We out. Love y'all. Peace. That's the one I want. <laughs> yeah, bro, I, I ain't trying to have LA Night come for me.